This year, I approached my food blog with a plan for growth and a solid plan of action. Looking back, I can say that this plan definitely worked and helped my blog grow more than I had planned for. As I'm looking back on this year, there are a few key takeaways that I'm walking away with and bringing into this new year. Listen in as I share six takeaways from my blogging journey this year. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey friends, this week we are chatting about some of the major takeaways from my blogging journey over this past year. I am your host, Madison Wetherill. I am a food blogger, a web designer over at Grace and Vine Studios, and a homeschooling mom of three boys. At Grace and Vine, we focus on building brands and websites, and the primary way that we are doing that right now is through our crafted websites. I am super excited to be sharing more and more information about our crafted websites, and you can learn more about them by going over to our website, graceandvinestudios.com and click on the services tab to kind of get the high level view of what crafted is and then you can request a proposal right there to be able to find out more information about the cost the timeline what all is included everything that you need to know in order to make a decision about whether crafted is right for you crafted is the best way for growing food bloggers to have a website that is unique works well for seo and for site speed and is built on the best practices and tools of the industry but at a fraction of the cost of a custom website. We are quickly booking up our spots for quarter one start dates. So if you are interested in learning more, please reach out for more information as soon as possible before we wrap up this year. Now, two weeks ago, I shared a bit of an update on my blog this year and kind of what that process has looked like and some of the lessons learned as we created a lot of content this year. To be specific, we published about 175 blog posts in 2023, and I shared some of my reflections and what I learned in that process of creating more content. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and check it out because it's going to be a lot more in depth about the content creation process and sort of what I learned in that process. But today I'm going to share sort of a more general overview and some major takeaways that are just about my blog growth as a whole this year. And just for some context, this year my blog has grown around 90% year over year. And even in the month of November, which is historically the biggest month on my blog and usually what carries my blog in terms of revenue and traffic, even in November there was a 70% growth year over year. So this year has definitely been just a huge year of growth and I'm just super excited about being able to say that because if I look back on my blogging journey, there are many, many years of disappointment and many years of not seeing growth. So it's really exciting that the strategies that we've implemented this year have worked. I can even remember at the beginning of this year as my blog manager and I were sort of talking about this idea of increasing content and what it might look like and how we could scale up to four blog posts a week. We, one of the things I said was this better work because this is going to be a lot of work for me and for our team. It's going to cost You know, it's going to be a big investment into the blog itself in order to be able to create this level of content and it better work. 
And I can genuinely and honestly say that it has worked. So that's a really exciting thing to look back on. Let's dive right into the first takeaway, which is to always be looking ahead. A huge shift in my process this year was, and really my process of just blogging with a team is that I really have to be looking further ahead than even just the upcoming month. I mean, I can remember back in the early days of blogging where I would write a blog post the night before it was supposed to go live. And that was just kind of what we did. But now as I have scaled the amount of content that I'm creating, as I have focused on creating the highest quality content that I possibly can, and I have a team involved, I have to look ahead. And so I don't just mean looking ahead for, okay, what's on my calendar for January, but even looking further out than that to see what I can get ahead on. Here's an example of this. A few months ago, I was shooting a couple of risotto recipes. I was batching two different recipes together with another side of grilled asparagus. And as I was thinking through what I was going to be doing in that particular photo shoot, I realized that it made sense to add some sort of a protein dish so that we had something we could eat for dinner. And it was just natural for me to add in a third element to be able to have a complete meal. Otherwise, I was going to have just two random side dishes and have to cook something later. So I added in a grilled pork tenderloin recipe that wasn't on my content plan in the next coming month or two because that plan was already done. But I knew that in the future, I would want to do a recipe like that, especially in the spring. I like to do a lot of grilling content. And so I knew eventually we would get to using that recipe. So I just added it into what I was already doing because I was able to look further ahead and see kind of what my plan was for my blog in a few few months time. So doing this means that whenever I go to plan out a month of content, which I talked about last week in our episode about how to make a plan for January. When I look ahead at the next month, oftentimes there are a handful of posts that are already done because of this process of looking ahead and figuring out what I can add in to what I'm doing that will support me in the future. Okay, takeaway number two is all about batching. If you've been around this podcast for a while, you probably have heard me talk about batch working in the past. It is something that I think is just a huge key to success. And I already knew that batching was a very necessary part of content creation. It's something that I've been doing even with this podcast for many years. But because in the past I haven't had as much of a strategic approach to my blog, I haven't really gone through rhythms of photo shoots and batching recipes before this year. This is really something that I have started just following exclusively this year because of the level and the amount of content that we have been creating. So this year I learned how important it is not only for just creating more content and increasing the volume, but also for being efficient with your time. When you are already in the middle of sort of that mental headspace and that you're in the zone of food photography, it is so much easier and more efficient to add in one more recipe to your list than to start and stop again next time. Another way that this plays out is by shooting a few additional photos for a blog post that you might need in the future. A few months ago, I did a banana smoothie recipe and I went ahead and just shot some extra photos of how to freeze bananas so I could do a post on that in the future. So really what happens when you are trying to batch your content is you're thinking ahead of what you might want to use in the future instead of being, and I guess this is kind of a sub point of this takeaway and really combining the first two takeaways is when you're looking ahead at the future, you're able to really think about what you need in the moment that is going to support you in the future, rather than being so focused on just the one thing you're doing now, you have kind of more of a holistic view of your content creation 
strategy and your plan. And so you're able to just add in little things here and there rather than starting and stopping at another point. Takeaway number three is to reuse parts and pieces. When I say this, what I really mean is always, always pull out recipes from what you're already doing or you have done in the past. This is one of the biggest ways that we were able to create 175 blog posts this year. I'll give you a couple of examples of how we did this and you'll see how we took one blog post and basically multiplied it into multiple blog posts. Most recently, I did this with a ground beef taco recipe that I was doing. I was able to take photos of these ground beef tacos and I had one blog post that was for the tacos in their completed form, if you will, one post for the taco meat itself and another post for the taco seasoning. I could have very easily just done the one post of the ground beef tacos, but again, because I was thinking ahead, I was able to pull this into three posts. I knew that I was gonna have to make taco seasoning anyway, so I thought, well, I'll just shoot a few photos of making the taco seasoning and it, you know, put it in a jar for a finished photo, and now I have enough photos to do an entire post on it. The nice thing about this too, this process, is When you do this, you're able to use some of those other finished photos in some of these supplemental posts. So the taco seasoning, I'm gonna be able to have a finished photo of the taco meat or the tacos, and it just adds interest to the blog post rather than if I had just made the taco seasoning as a one-off post, I probably wouldn't have thought to like take it to completion in having the taco meat and the tacos made for the extra photos. Another example of this, this is probably my most favorite and like one of my proudest moments of this year was coming up with this post. I did a grilled chicken salad recipe. And from that, I was able to do number one, the grilled chicken salad. Number two, the grilled chicken by itself. Number three, the salad dressing by itself. Number four, croutons. And then fifth, we are able to do a different post with a different keyword for grilled chicken marinade. So it ended up being something that was one idea that we turned into five different blog posts and all of them can, you know, be independent and work as their own keyword. And that is just one way to easily shoot one recipe and turn it into five different posts. This does require more planning. It does require not, you know, working on the post the day before it's due. And it does require keyword research to make sure that this is going to work because when you follow this process, you're going to have to think about what are all the parts and pieces of the recipe and can those be pulled out? Sometimes this happens accidentally. Sometimes we had, for example, we had a post that was apple spice cupcakes and we were able to take the cinnamon frosting and make it its own post. We didn't plan to do that. We just realized that was another keyword that we could you know, capitalize on. And so sometimes it happens accidentally, but sometimes it happens really intentionally as you are looking ahead and doing that keyword research. And a lot of the time when you pull out these pieces, what will happen is you might find a smaller volume or smaller competition keyword that, you know, maybe you wouldn't have gone and done just that one post by itself because it wasn't worth the time, but because you are sort of extrapolating from another blog post, it's a really easy win because it doesn't take as much time and it might rank faster as well. So really this is just a rhythm that I've gotten into this year and it's just now a way that I think when I am planning out my blog posts. Okay, takeaway number four is that there is always a bottleneck. Now, if you don't know the concept of a bottleneck in a business, think about if you were in an assembly line 
And, you know, each person has a part of the process and someone gets behind. There's going to be sort of a backlog of work for that person when they get behind. Or you could think of, you know, the physical way that a bottle, like a glass bottle, is shaped. There is a point in the bottle that is that is narrower than the rest of the bottle. That's obviously the bottleneck and that is this concept. So whenever I have my assistant come over in person to help with recipes, every single time one of us ends up being behind in the process. It's not just me or it's not just her. It depends on the day. It depends on you know the flow of how we're doing. It depends on how many kids we have around us at the time. But either she will end up waiting on me to finish my ingredient shots because we always have to use so many bowls for those, or I might be waiting on a dish to be finished cooking before I can take the finished photos. No matter how hard I try to plan around this and try to be efficient in what we choose, this always happens and we always just laugh about it and move on. But this also happens with my writers as well. Sometimes they will get ahead and be waiting on maybe the editor to schedule the post or maybe they're waiting on images for me or I might get ahead on images and be waiting for those posts to be done. Typically, it's not that I'm waiting for someone to be done just because I'm at the beginning of the process, but this just naturally happens as you have more people involved and it would happen even if you were on your own. Even if you are the only person who is taking you know, the blog post from start to finish, this is going to happen to you too, where you might get ahead on photos or you might get ahead on scheduled posts and realize that you need more photos. It is totally normal, totally natural, but it can become a problem if you or your team don't have the capacity to be able to fix the bottleneck. And this is something that I have learned. This is probably one of my biggest lessons that I've learned in business over the last eight years is just you always have to be looking out for those bottlenecks and looking for the fix. OK, takeaway number five is to create rhythms. This is a really important one because rhythms and routines are going to help you to stay on top of what you need to do. It is very easy to get distracted or to get behind on pretty much any part of your business, but routines and rhythms around your work are going to help bring you back to focus if you do get off track. Sometimes getting off track might be that there was an emergency in the family. Maybe you took a vacation and you got really far ahead before you left and you come back and you need to get back into a rhythm. So. One of the things that I find the most important rhythm in your business is finding a rhythm for your CEO time. This is something I have not been very good at. And the other day I was voxering with my best friend who also has a business and she has multiple businesses too, actually. And we were chatting about how I was just feeling very scattered and I just didn't really know what to focus on. And she just asked me, well, when was the last time you did your CEO time? And I couldn't remember. And so this is something I'm trying to get back into the rhythm of having that weekly check in with myself to make sure that I am setting my own priorities and setting my own you know, plan for the week to help me stay on track with my goals. Outside of that, you might need to find a rhythm for when you're going to re do recipe development, when you're going to take photos or what those photo shoot days are going to look like, or really whatever other pieces of your business feel difficult. Maybe setting a plan for your marketing efforts is what feels difficult or setting a time to schedule tasks for your team. I know that's something that I really struggled with at the beginning of my business journey. I had all of these team members to help me with things, but I didn't have the time set aside to be able to actually give them the work to do and to give them the training that they might need. So whatever it is that is feeling difficult and is feeling like you're constantly behind on, think about how you can create a rhythm for yourself to support you. And then another 
just bonus takeaway that I came up with as I was working through this episode is to outsource and to get help. I am probably a broken record at this point about most of these takeaways that I have talked about today, but outsourcing and getting help is one that I feel so passionate about. And actually this passion comes from my business coach who I have worked with on and off for the last three years. And I'm currently in a program with her right now. Natalie Ekdahl from the Biz Chicks podcast. At the beginning of every episode, she says, may I encourage you to get as much help as you can afford both at home and in the business. And that has been so encouraging to me just as I have grown my businesses and just been in this entrepreneur space because it is so tempting and so normal, especially for food bloggers, to wear all the hats, to get no support and no help. And this mentality has just really helped me to be very intentional about what I outsource and get help on. And I want to encourage you to, even if you are at the beginning stages of business, you can still outsource things and get help. It might not look like you know, hiring a writer to write all of your blog posts for you, but it could be that you're getting support at home. Maybe it's that you are trading with a friend. Maybe you have a friend that lives in the same area as you and they can come over and be your assistant for the day while you do your shoots and then you can help them the next time. There are so many ways that we can support each other that don't always have to cost money. But I really think that businesses are not meant to experience crazy growth overnight then to crash and burn the next year and if we want to build businesses that are long lasting we need support and that like i said support can look like so many different things sometimes it means investing into your business before there's a ton of cash flow sometimes it means getting help from for free from a friend to watch your kids maybe it's asking a partner or a spouse for extra help around the house or to do the dishes after a long photo shoot day figure out where you are feeling the most tension and start with getting help there. If it's that you need more time, figure out what you can outsource at home. Figure out what you can do to get more time to work in your business. Whatever it is that looks like support for you, I hope that you will go into next year thinking of a way to make that happen. When you figure out what that support is that you need, you can start working towards it. I actually had a client or a potential client who I was talking with about Crafted and she said, okay, this month is going to be too tight for me. I can't invest into Crafted right now, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start, you know, reaching out to brands to increase my income so that I can afford this in a couple of months. And once you have your eyes set on what support you need, you can start working toward it and start saving for it. And sometimes that can be really motivating. So I definitely encourage you as you think about next year, think about where you need support and what you need to do in order to make that happen. Okay, friends, thank you for sticking with me. I know these last couple episodes have been a little bit longer. I think I've just had so much to say as I've been talking about my own blogging journey and what I've learned in this past year. So many of you have been reaching out to me and just sharing that you are really liking these episodes and getting a lot out of them. So I really appreciate those of you who have reached out to me over on Instagram. And I would love for you, if you're listening to this episode, you've gotten this far, head over to Instagram, find me at Grace and Vine. And tell me which of these takeaways was the biggest aha for you and which of these you want to implement next year for your blog. Thank you as always for spending this time with me today. And until next week, friends, talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to the vinepodcast.com. Talk soon.